Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Campionato di calcio italiano! Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Forza Italian Football Podcast. As ever, I'm your host, Connor Clancy. Joining me this week, Vito Doria, Kev Pogzelski. There's three of us. There are only four Serie A games to discuss, so this shouldn't take too long, really. But, Vito, have you enjoyed the, the extra little bit of rest this weekend? Um, I've enjoyed a little bit of it, and the uh, only reason is under normal circumstances, I'd get a good rest. Unfortunately, this morning, I had my sister's dogs wake me up, so that wasn't much fun. But other than that, I've tried to rest up as much as I can, and even the few games that were played were pretty exciting anyway. Kev, where did you spend your Saturday night? Uh, I spent it uh, eventually in a child's bedroom, without the child, as uh, I was at a 40th birthday party and got a bit too drunk and uh, put to bed for the evening at a friend's house. You got put to bed in a child's bed. Um, is the child okay? He was more concerned I'd played on his Xbox. What did you play? No, I didn't. I barely. Oh. I was barely awake. But uh... oh. well, that's not as interesting then. Sorry, but guys, there were only four games this weekend. Obviously, the coronavirus is continuing to plague Saria. It gave me pretty much a weekend off, which was kind of nice, but also I-, I wanted to be out football throughout the weekend. So Lazio played Bologna, Napoli played Torino, Lecce allowed Atalanta to play, and Cagliari played Roma. It was quite an interesting round. We've got to start at the top, because for the first time this season, Lazio, they've they've always been in the title race. Now they are leading the title race. They're top of the league. They, beat, they won 2-0 against Bologna, and Vito... They just keep proving it. Yeah, that's right. Um, they're continuing this great run that they've built up in the last few months. And uh, they only needed two goals in the first half to do it. But uh, this time it was more than enough against the Felsenay. And the big key in this particular game was Luis Alberto. Um, he scored a lovely opener for the match just outside of the box with a low shot. And then he supplied Joaquin Correa with the second goal. So he continues his uh, excellent season. Kev, Lazio are a bit mental, aren't they? They're quite similar to to another quite exciting Italian side that we've seen in the last couple of seasons in that they can blitz you and then have these heart-stopping, heart-attack moments at the back where they never look like they're quite comfortable in a game. But... They won 2-0. It could have been 2 each. and It also could have been 4-2. It's just Lazio, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I think there's a little less concern defensively than Atalanta for, for Lazio. And I think that's... But, but like you say, when you actually watch the games, 
you do have that feeling they can concede any any moment, but the level of consistency over the last few weeks probably goes against that feeling that they give you when you actually watch them. You spoke about Luis Alberto opening the scoring veto. Joaquin Correa also got a goal, and he's one of these players that it's kind of easy to to overlook him, given the amount of attacking prowess and strength that is in this Lazio team. You've got Immobile, you've got Luis Alberto, you've got some of the others, but Correa is so important for them when he's on his day. Certainly. Uh, he's been out for some time, or he was out for a while, and they had to start Felipe Caicedo in attack with Immobile. Caicedo, he does a serviceable job, but he's a totally different player to Correa. Correa, he's got more speed, he's got better technical ability, and he started out more or less as either a wide midfielder or an attacking midfielder, but Simone Inzaghi has used him as a support striker since he has arrived from Sevilla. And I think, in addition to his goals and assists, just with his uh, creativity and his flair, he just adds an extra dimension to the play, makes uh, makes them more aesthetically pleasing too, although they do have some plays that are, you know, fine to watch in their own right. And uh, they are still better with him in the team than without it, despite getting results when he's not been around. They've only lost two games all season, Kev, Lazio. They're top of the league now. They're two points clear of Juventus. Obviously, they have played one game more than Juve because of the the postponement of the Derby d'Italia. And psychologically, this is a completely new test for Lazio. Yeah, I think um, this is the first hurdle, though, where you had all the confusion, misunderstanding of what was going to happen with the Serie A games. And it, it, it could have led to a little bit of complacency because, uh, you know, what was going on around them. But they just went out there, played the game, got it done, went top. Um, and now the next hurdle is trying to sort of maintain that until we get on an even kill with people uh, all being back on the same games and the, the games in hand disappearing. But I, th- I think I've actually jumped over one hurdle by by taking, taking charge. It is a bit of a mess, isn't it? And the... I don't know, what do you guys make of the decision to to postpone the Derby d'Italia? Because at first it was, okay, the game's going to be played behind closed doors. Then on, I think, Wednesday it was, oh, we might have fans at the game. Then on Thursday it was, there's not going to be fans, it's going to be behind closed doors. Maybe it'll be, the doors will be open and maybe it'll be on Monday. And then it was moved back to Sunday and then it was not on at all. And it's just, Vito, I suppose... A classic case of Italian organisation, but it makes the league look a bit of a farce, doesn't it? Oh, it's absolutely comical, to say the least. Uh, I understand the reasons for postponing the game, and I think that being such a big game, it would be great if they could get a crowd for the game because it would be good to at least get a bit of atmosphere and to have a crowd there does add a bit of a bonus. And being such a vital game... And a prestigious one, I think it would have been a bit odd to have the game played behind closed doors. Not only that, I think it's also good to prioritise the safety of fans and the health as well. That's good. The most classical aspect of it, though, is this whole rescheduling thing. Um, for instance, uh, at this stage, it looks like the game could be played as far as May 13. And... Uh, Milan, not Milan fans, Inter fans have been crying foul on social media that they're going to have too many big and important games in the one uh, um, circumstance or one period. So they think, oh, it's going to be beneficial to Juve. It's going to put too much pressure on Inter to play so many big teams in the same sequence. And it's going to be at the end of the season and the fixtures are going to be congested. So the venting their thoughts on that and they are very disappointed in the situation but yeah ultimately I think there needs to be some serious clarity here when they're gonna play it you know just try and pick a day even if it's not May 13 but not as soon as say next week because it's really messy by both you know either Legacy or even the Federal Culture to sort of have this kind of debacle yeah, it's a bit of a mess, isn't it? And this takes us to one of the questions. My dad has actually tweeted in. 
surprisingly. Kev, I'll throw it to you. He says, do you think that Serie A will have to insist on games being played behind closed doors as opposed to postponing and postponing and rescheduling the games in order to actually get this season wrapped up anytime soon? I think because of the season that we have with the the European Championships at the end of it, you may have to. But, of course, there was um, Gianni Infantino uh, at something earlier or late last week saying about that, you know, they're not ruling anything out for that. You know, we've got these these Euros that are travelling everybody, you know, everybody's travelling around the, the, the continent. Um, I'm always... It's the, it's the competitive nature of the league that I always kind of side with regarding not playing games um, behind closed doors. But that said, I am living in a country that sees very even partial closures of stadia for things like racist incidents. Now, in Syria, there have been partial stadium closures and nobody's ever really considered that to be an issue with regarding the uh, the competitive balance. Um I think is that different though because when it's partially closed because of racism it's seen as a punishment to the team who are having their stands closed whereas now is it fair to punish the likes of Juve and kind of deprive them of that home game against Inter yeah I, I think it's the whole when you're looking at you know Lazio have gone top when you look at the 38 games they've played and if they have to face Juve with you know even a, a small section of their own fans in the stadium that will, that will lift them, or the Inter have to face Juve without a uh, let's say not a particularly uh, difficult fan base to play uh, play against at the uh, Juventus Stadium, okay. that that's where it gets really tricky, um, and we're at the, such a late stage now in the season that people will make those comparisons the conspiracy theorists will come out with you know why it was done why the why the games got moved into a certain order um but but it all kind of just stems back to the government you know and it's not just the italian government that you know it's similar in 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 other countries across the world where they're just not getting there's a lot of miscommunication of how serious this is uh what the implications potentially can be it sort of swings from you'll get it and you you know it, it, it's going to be serious or it's actually a two percent fatality rate if you do get it so don't worry so i think um they need to really over the next week to 10 days decide what they want to do well there's just... a there is a meeting scheduled for wednesday but this mm. meeting should have happened last week or even the week before when when we knew that it was a possibility that people were going to become infected. It's, it, there is a lot of misinformation and a lot of the, the abroad media that I've seen from even being here in Italy, looking at the coverage back home, it's so blown out of proportion. People are talking about Italy as if it's, it's dying. It's not. Everyday life is, is continuing, but th- there, is, there are higher numbers of confirmed cases purely because Italy have carried out more tests than anyone else. Um, I don't for a minute think there are more cases of the coronavirus in Italy than there are in other countries. It's just that there's more evidence of it because they've been doing tests for longer. So the, the figures are likely to be higher. Um, but also one of the leading medical guys here in Italy came out and said that about 50 percent of the people who contract the coronavirus, it'll just pass and they won't even know. But the, the death toll, as you said, is what, less than two percent for people under the age of, I think it's 65. It's even lower than 0.5% or something, mm-hmm. right? But you do have to look out for the most vulnerable in society. And, and that is why the the stadium closures have come into it. And that's nothing to do with Lega Serie A. It's nothing to do with the clubs themselves. It's a government and state-imposed thing. So Emilia-Romagna, Veneto, Lombardia, and I think Piemonte as well, they have restrictions in place until the 8th of March now, which says that public events can't go ahead or they have to go ahead in a different way and with regard to football games. So legally, they can't have fans going to the stadium because you, you need to have that safe space of one metre between you and and people you're around. And it's getting to the point now where this could easily go on for the rest of the month until Easter, for another six weeks, where, where people can't be within a metre of each other. So in that case, the football has to just get played. Because the season has to end before the 24th of May. 
if the Euros are going to happen, but that's another thing. And I don't know, I, I think there's a lot of drama going on, particularly between Inter and Juve fans, which takes us to another question from Benjamin on Twitter. Thank you, Benjamin. He says, with this Inter-Juve debacle, is there a questionable element to all of this? Or are people just pointing fingers at a known suspect? I'm assuming he's referring to Calciopoli in that way. Um, Vito, what are your thoughts on that? Mm. It's moments like this where it, anyone who has this uh, thing of coming up with conspiracies or they become easily suspicious of certain people or clubs that they just put two and two together too easily and uh, they think, you know, oh, there's something growing in the air that there's going to be another scenario like this. Uh, I can see why some people would be suspicious, whether it be of Lega Serie A or, um, or if you're either Intel or just anti-Juventus, you're going to finger the blame on Juve because of Calciopoli nearly 15 years ago and think, oh, they're at it again and this and that. So uh, unless there's really hard evidence, I don't think it should be a case of trying to defame Juve, trying to accuse uh, the Juve board or the Agnelli family of trying to do something. Um, it's best just to go with the facts and what's clear evidence instead of trying to come up with theories to say that, um, you know, the league is favoring Juve and etc. Me personally, um, I think ultimately, regardless of how many of these games get rescheduled and whatever schedule list, for instance, into in particular get, ultimately, these are just some unique circumstances. Uh, Italy's trying to deal with a virus outbreak. So you've got to take the fixtures as they come, not look for too many excuses. And ultimately, you just got to play the teams on the day and go out and put out your best. Uh, you know, it's up to the players and up to Antonio Conte as a coach to go out and beat the teams he has to face and not look for um, excuses if they do not get the desired results on the day. Sometimes it's just better to define the odds and say to yourselves, you can throw anything at us, but we'll still go out there and be the best team we can be. And if Inter can get good results and, you know, end up getting the Scudetto themselves, then in hindsight, people should not be worrying in the first place. As we're recording, Inter President Stephen Zhang has actually posted something on Instagram. I'm not sure if you've seen this. Kev, listen up, because I'm going to ask your opinion on it once I've read through it. He has written in his story, playing around the calendar and always putting the public health as secondary consideration. You are probably the biggest and darkest clown I've ever seen. 24 hours, 48 hours, seven days. And what else? What's your next step? And now you speak about sportsmanship and fair competition. Uh, little throwy up emoji. How about we don't protect our players or coaches and stop them and ask them to play for you 24-7 non-stop. Yes, I'm speaking at you. Our legacy, our president, Paolo Dalpino, shame on you. It's time to stand up and take your responsibility. This is what we do in 2020. Everybody around the world, it doesn't matter if, he, if you're an Inter fan or a Juve fan or no fan at all, please be safe. This is the most important thing for you, your family and our society. It's a, it's a strong statement. Yeah. But it's almost it's almost edging towards that he just wants the league wrapped up. I I don't I don't really understand. I I would have thought the clubs, if anything, were the would be the ones that would be pushing for the games to go ahead with with supporters. Obviously, they're a little bit closer to where the outbreak started, I suppose. Mm. But um, you know, I think there's an element of the the, the clubs will see some form of revenue affected by you know playing the rest of the season let's say that happened uh without supporters uh local businesses around there that that rely on the match day traffic uh will be hit as well so i'm just surprised that that we're hearing that from them uh regarding almost suggesting that we just get the league over and done with whether that's playing behind closed doors because he, he seems to allude there to the fact that the the player's health is at risk mm. But, yeah. you know, I don't know. It, the whole thing is just really, really strange. I, I'm not sure how I feel about the the conspiracies being thrown around. People saying that 
oh, these decisions always go in Juve's favour. They, they're always always the, the golden boys. They get what they want. But if anyone, has this not favoured Lazio this weekend? The fact that Juve and Inter didn't play, so they were allowed to go top. I don't think this particularly comes as good news for Juventus. Um, I think, well, I think Lazio are always playing Saturday afternoon. So they, you know, because I was trying to work out, you know, has this made the game between Inter and Juve a bit bigger because they're now playing catch up? But actually, they probably were both going to be looking at Lazio above them anyway, had they played on Sunday evening. Um, so, so yeah, I'm, 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 I'm not sure it's played into Lazio's hand necessarily. All right. Uh, anyone, Vito, do you want to say something there? Yeah, well, I think it can play to Lazio's advantage to an extent because at least they'll be playing once a week and they have that consistency. Not only that, they're out of the Coppa Italia and they're no longer in the Europa League. So all they can focus on is Serie A. Now, with Juventus still in the Champions League and Inter still in the Europa League, and they also have the Coppa Italia semi-finals to play, it's already a congested list. So uh, depending on how far they go in Europe in particular, uh, they're going to have a really congested bunch of fixtures to play. And that could uh, that could cause greater fatigue. If they pick up injuries, that would mean uh, they would have uh, issues with depth. Whereas with Lazio, assuming that they still have a good run with injuries, uh, they can keep playing you know, just once a week, have enough time to recuperate as well. And, uh, you know, the way things are going, this could actually result in Lazio winning their third Scudetto. So, yeah, in, uh, in that sense, you can feel that the Aquile might have that uh, opportunity to uh, do things because of what they're doing, but they can also get the results because there are things impacting on both Inter and Juve due to the amount of games they have to play. From now on. Well, Lazio are due to go to Bergamo to play Atalanta on Saturday at 6pm, but given the fact that fans aren't allowed to go to that game, that game is now in, in doubt as well. Obviously, Atalanta aren't too pleased about that because Serie A in recent seasons have allowed their Champions League teams to play on the Friday night, the week before the they play in Europe. Atalanta and Serie A were happy for the game to go ahead on Friday night, but but Lazio and Claudio Lotito dug their heels in and said, no, we're playing on Saturday, which I don't know about you guys, but it's a bit strange, isn't it, for Lazio to, to just straight up refuse, given they can enjoy the same benefits when they're playing in the Champions League? Um, yeah, well, I think there's a little bit of gamesmanship, isn't there, there? Um, but, you know, you, you bring into this the Champions League, and on, I know UEFA... Uh, are quite money driven and are, are worried obviously about their own revenues. There's an element of that maybe the Italian authorities, not necessarily the football, but everybody almost looks at what people are doing across the continent because there's no there's no word at the moment of any of those Champions League games being um, postponed with fans from Italy traveling across the across the continent. No, but Valencia are trying to stop Atalanta fans from going to the game. Okay. But that's a Valencia thing. And they've acknowledged themselves that if they do it, they will get a fine and some sort of punishment. But they seem to be just willing to take that on the chin. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. 
So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. It's just going to rumble on for so long. That's the, that's the thing, you know. I think, I think there'll still be cases being diagnosed in like 18 months' time. So that, that almost pushes you. You have to take a long-term view on this. And actually, safety comes from the communication and the education of what people need to be doing to, to stop the vulnerable elements of the society that are, are worst affected if they catch it. Um, yeah, uh, we're saying that while I'm sitting here in a country where a frightening percentage of the people don't believe in vaccinations. And mm. I mean, this is Italy, right? It's a little bit different to most places, but... Uh, the Atalanta game, Atalanta played Lecce in Lecce and they won 7-2. It's the, the third time this season they've scored seven goals. Before this season, they had scored seven goals once in their history. They've done it three times this season. Vito, they just keep outdoing themselves even. Well, it's, it's unbelievable. And uh, yeah, just to uh, see Duvan Zapata in particular back in form, was great, and that's a great boost for Ladea going forward. And although uh, Lecce, they had a decent enough crack in the first half, in the second half it was more or less a virtuoso displayed by the Orobici. Just, uh, you know, you can't really see where the weaknesses lie. And also, Martin Darun had to play in defence in this game, but uh, although Lecce scored twice, I think... Uh, Ladea didn't have too many things to worry about defensively. And even with having Darun, although he's a defensive midfielder, playing in defence, I think they were still able to play to their strengths, play the entertaining attacking style of football, and they just put on another show. Kev, did you see Giulio Donati's own goal? Yeah. It was amazing, wasn't it? It, it was, and it was it, that was the moment where you thought, oh, OK, after that were wrong. <laughs> Romp to victory, but actually, when you when you watch the first half, um, if anybody has a chance to watch the first half back, it you know it wasn't the whitewash. It looked like it was actually going to be an entertaining game, and then suddenly, second half, Atlanta sort of kicked into a second gear. Uh, Illichip's piece of well, first touch rather than a piece of skill to then put Atlanta in the lead, and they never really looked back. But uh, Donati did himself uh, a credit with the equaliser because it was a it was a lovely finish after being teed up and just sort of drilled, kept at that that lovely height um, along the ground uh, and and did, into the bottom corner. So it'll feel a bit bit better after that. Uh, Duban Zapata he scored another hat trick. He's he's only played eighteen games altogether this season. He scored twelve goals and assisted six. He's even better than he was last year, Fito and. He must be one of those players that you look at and you will have looked at last year and been fuming. And this season even more, he, he's a freak. I just, we've said it num a number of times on the podcast that uh, Zapata has really gone up a level or two under Gian Piero Gasperini. And it's uh, great to see that he's doing well after having sustained that injury. Uh, you know, to... Contribute to this win is great enough as it is, but if he can keep on playing like this for the remainder of the season, I think it will be great for Atalanta because it will keep their chances alive in the you know Champions League race. And by the way things are going, they probably will get that fourth spot. And it will help them go further in Europe. So to have him there after Atalanta have been getting wins without him, it just makes things better for Gasparini because it would make Ladea a far more fearful side and they already are a scary opposition for opposing defences. You know the way you often see, Kev, players have a bit of a tantrum when they get taken off? 
Yeah. Have you ever seen a player have a tantrum because he's been left on before? <laughs> no. Did I, you see? Okay. Did you see Josip Ilicic? No, I didn't. It, I was about to say you were going to tell me something got missed uh, from the game. Yeah, it it wasn't quite a tantrum to be fair, but Malinowski was ready to come on, and Ilicic must have assumed, "All right, boss, this is this is me. Get me off the pitch. Look at this. We're winning comfortably. I've got my goal. I've done my job." And then the number ten goes up, and little Papu gets his break first, and Ilicic is just looking over at Gasparini as if to say, "Are you serious?" I'm not. I'm finished now. And then four minutes later, <laughs> Illichich was suitably taken off as well. I just thought it was so funny. If ever a brief clip sums up what Josef Illichich is, it's that he loves it when he when he's up for it, and when he's not up for it, he just doesn't care at at all. He just he just wants to get off the pitch and have his little his little rest and put his feet up. But it it was very very funny. Atalanta have scored. Seven 70, 7-0, 70 goals already this season. They scored 77 in 38 games last season to be Serie A's top goal scorers. They have obviously played, what is it, just 26 games this year and they've got 70? Or maybe it's 25, I don't know. But yes, 70 goals. They have got more goals than AC Milan and Napoli combined. They contribute just 68 between them, but... They're so good away as well. They're going to go to Valencia and you would expect cause a few problems there. I know that Valencia got their away goal, but you would back Atalanta to do similarly, if not get a couple out there. But um, What else was there? Cagliari, Roma, another thriller, actually. It was 4-3 to Roma. And Vito, it wasn't always the most comfortable. No, there were... The first half I thought was probably more exciting than the second, despite having one less goal, because Roma created an abundance of chances before João Pedro opened the scoring for Cagliari, but they just couldn't convert. So they really looked like they were on for it. Uh, in the second half, though, Cagliari tried to fight back. They were having a bit more of the ball, but um, Roma, even though they would uh, extend their lead, it just seemed that at times in that second half, they had a bit of complacency or they weren't as energetic or as uh, determined as they were in the first half. In the first half, they 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 were really on song. Uh, they were attacking through both the middle and the wings. So, yeah, it's good to see that in the last couple of games, if we got to pick individuals, that uh, I think Unda is starting to get back into the rhythm of things. And uh, Henrik Mkhitaryan is starting to have a bit of a decent spell, a good spell for the Giallo Rossi after a rather poor start to the campaign. Kev, players are complaining about not being taken off. Football matches are being cancelled. The European Championship is in doubt. And Nikola Kalinic scored twice in a match. Is the world on its way towards its end? Yeah, well, Kalinic is a strange uh, creature. He's just a bad footballer, isn't he? Well, yeah, he, he had that period where um, Dnipro got to the Europa League. Mm. And correct me if I'm wrong, was it um, Milan that splashed the cash on him then that summer? Uh, would it not no, if you're in Tina. Yeah, oh, yeah if you're in uh, And then in true Kalinic style, he sort of found his, found his, found his old form or his actual, his, his, his true talent. And then he sort of bounced around clubs. Um, I think if he's uh, Roma's great white hope, they'd have trouble. Yeah, you know, they, they 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 played pretty well at the weekend, but they still look like they can throw a game away. Um, and that would be your concern with Napoli now coming up fast behind them. Um, although they got a game in hand, I think on uh, on Napoli. Oh, don't talk about games in hand. I don't know. No one's played a normal number of games. Uh, Napoli have played the same number of games as Roma. They are six oh, points okay. behind them. Both have played 26. Odd, um, oddly, this, this, this fixture, as I was sort of watching it with like one eye on it, it was Jao Pe- Pedro took his first goal wonderfully. Uh, and every time I watch Cali, although they've sort of slipped over recent weeks and they're still a bit hit and miss I kind of think I'll be putting him in my 
team of the season vote when uh, you know we come to that stage at the end of the season. And I, it always makes me wonder where will he go because I, I'd just be surprised if he stays there. He's going to stay. He's, he loves it. He came out quite recently, I think it was about a month ago, and said that, look, I love Sardinia, I love Cagliari, and I'm happy to stay here for the rest of my life. Um, that was on ForzaItalianFootball.com. Ben Hughes living in Cagliari wrote it, so head over and find that. But yeah, I agree with you. He's a very, very good player. Of course, he does have his off days and his off moments, but consistently, I think he, you get a minimum of a 7 out of 10 from him every single week. And he's a, a real handful. I've, I've always been quite a big fan of his there. And he always seems to, to cause Atalanta problems as well. So I, I think he might say he wants to stay, but all he's doing is increasing his value to Cagliari, and they probably don't mind that. Yeah, possibly. And he might have said this when they were doing okay before they went 11 games without <laughs> a win. But there were there were some scenes, hashtag scenes after this, Mr. Doria, because the Cagliari players were confronted by the ultras. I say confronted, they were kind of beckoned to beneath the curva and they went down and they had a chat and the, the curva told them why they were why they were awful. Is this, as Ben alluded to, I think it was last week on the pod, the the beginning of, of the end of this Cagliari team and Maran's time there? It's starting to look that way. And now there's speculation suggesting that uh, Rolando Maran has been sacked. So, yeah, it goes to show that, you know, after such a promising start, things have really gone sour for them in the last three months or so. And, uh, yeah, I suppose when you get the ultras angry, they're going to vent it out. They're not going to hold back. It doesn't matter if it's Coyote or any other fan base. Uh, they'll tell you how they see it and they'll even tell you where to go too. So, yeah, I'm sure with the Coyote players, they will not be too thrilled hearing, you know, any sort of negative criticism. But, uh, you know, uh, football is determined predominantly by results and in Italy more so. So, you know, not being able to win in such a long time, I think that would make any fan base angry. Kevin Apple beat Torino 2-1 at the Stadio San Paolo after drawing with Barcelona in the Champions League. They're now level on Roma. or No, they're not. They're six points behind Roma, but they've turned things around under Gattuso recently. A big win. Yeah, and I don't think it should go unnoticed that uh, Lorenzo Insigne's performance have improved somewhat in recent weeks. You know, I know people want to make a lot of Gattuso um, sort of geeing them all up, um, you know, and getting their fighting spirit and giving them something to strive towards. But he was off form for a while. Um, and, you know, his, his, the ball in for the man last header was just just wonderful. And he had a couple of chances there that, you know, looked like he's um, back to how we expect him to be performing. Yeah, he looked very inventive in senior. Uh, although he didn't score himself, but it looked like he was the man that was trying to make things tick for Napoli and also Piotr Zielinski. Although some of his crosses flashed wide, it looked like he was trying to put some spark into Napoli's attacking play. And if we speak in gen- generalities, I think with uh, Gattuso, you know, going back to the 4-3-3 formation that most of those players were familiar with under Maurizio Sarri, I think when you think of that and then Gattuso with his man management skills, I think that's been beneficial for the Partenope in these recent months. Yeah, with Insignia, he and Carlo Ancelotti had, uh, I want to say a bad relationship, but I think it was a non-existent relationship. It got to the point where the two of them couldn't even like be in the same room as one another. Um, I would probably put that more down to Insignia being a little bit petulant than than Ancelotti, but no, it's good to see. And Dries Mertens is going to sign a new two-year extension as well, which is really nice to see because all of the the nonsense that he's had to kind of go through there with Napoli, he's now their top scorer ever level with Mark Amschik, and he'll break that record before the end of the season, and he'll get his new contract on, on Chiro staying, which is quite nice to see. We have a question about Torino from Marco Jackson, our very own Marco Jackson. Um, he says, are Torino going down? Kev, and if so, is it better to go down with a whimper or the bang that Lecce are giving for their book? Well, it's always better to go down with a bang. Uh, it probably gets your fans a little bit more on side for the 
the season afterwards when you'd probably be expected to come straight back up. But I actually don't think Torino are any real um, danger of going down. I kind of, I draw the line at Udinese, I think can probably be sucked into it. And then you have Fiorentina who are uh, inconsistent, but they're probably Kev, big enough. Up. Udinese are above Torino in the Serie A standings at the moment. What, what fixture was I listening? No, the level. The yeah, points. 17 okay. or 27 points each. Goal difference has Udinese ahead at the moment. But okay, maybe maybe what, what I was looking on my mobile had them just below it. But again, I I kind of group uh, Torino in with Fiorentina, whereas I, I I think they'll pick up enough points. I think the other consideration we make here is that Spal and Brescia are down, so there's only one position. And I think the, the team I really think will struggle to lift themselves out of it is Genoa. They've shown signs in recent weeks, but there's, you know, even with the arrival of Perrin back in goal, they're still conceding. Um, it'll be a real tussle between them and Samp, but even with your your man Quagliarella there, I think they'll score enough goals to keep their head above water. So we're talking about one position. I don't think Torino are as bad as some of the other clubs that are going to take that final position for the relegation place. Do you know when Torino last won a game? Oh, before Christmas? No, twelfth of January. It's not that bad. Um, mm-hmm. but I I don't know. I really think I'd have Genoa finishing above Torino this season with what I've seen since January, absolutely. Genoa do look that little bit more solid with the the boy whose surname slips my mind at the moment, the, the centre back who plays alongside Maziello. Him and that's the one. Him, Maziello and uh Perrin have just changed a lot there. I think Genoa will do enough to keep their heads above water. Samp as well. I think Quags is going to score another 30 goals between now and May, even if he doesn't play any games. And Lecce <laughs> will probably have enough about them. It's going to be interesting to see how Lecce bounce back from a 7-2 pummeling because it's not every day a team concedes seven goals, especially here in Italy. And next up, they, they host Milan. So it's not going to be the easiest fixer for them, but it's going to be one to watch for sure for whoever you're supporting. I don't know. I think Torino could well slip down into that, those troubled places. We do have one more question before we wrap up. It's from Hudson. That's the only name he, he has on Twitter, but I'll throw it out to the two of you. Vito, you can come in on it first. After a decade of considerable Juve dominance, how do you guys see the, ne- the league developing in the next few years? Will we get more of the same? Well, the way things are going, it would be easy to think that we'd see more of the same because you have been dominant for so long. And, uh, well, in most cases, or well, for most of the time, you have been run pretty well off the pitch. But uh, in, rec- in recent months, or maybe just this season in general, I see that some cracks are coming uh, to the surface, especially if we just look at the squad in general. I think uh, some of the investment in the squad, with the benefit of hindsight, of course, has uh, not been good. And I think, uh, you know, depending on how things go, regardless if Sari remains a coach or somewhere else, the decline might be due. Uh, that being said, um, there are clubs that are running things in their own way, and they might be able to change how CDR clubs are run and see how things uh, should be done from now on. Uh, Inter, with the Zhang family and the Suning group involved, uh, they look like they could become a force again, and they've invested uh, a lot into their squad, so they might be able to break Juve's domestic dominance. But... I have a bit of optimism with the likes of Lazio and Atalanta. It might be easy to say that they're just having good spells, they're going through golden periods and so forth. But if Lazio wins the Scudetto, I think it shows that if you have a bit of stability in terms of backing your coach and you find the right players, you can still build a good side, even with a limited budget. And then you've got someone like Atalanta... They've had the great youth academy for many years, but they needed a coach like Gasparini to instill an identity on the pitch. They've got that football philosophy now, which I never really saw before Gasparini, to be honest. 
and they've really improved on and off the pitch too. They've got a new stadium, or the stadium that they had is uh, being refurbished. And again, uh, Percassi is not a president that spends a lot of money. With the benefit of uh, great scouting, having a good player, you don't need to spend crazy amounts of money to build a good side. And I'd like to think that Lazio and Atalanta can be really inspirational for those other small teams. You don't have to look at Juve. It's very hard to look at Juve because the Agnelli family or the Exor group, which is the main holding investment group, they've basically, you know, whether we like it or not, have practically monopolized the Italian industry. So this is not like the old Italy where there were many Italian industrialists buying clubs and spending as much as they can to build the teams. Uh, in these circumstances, you've got to learn to work with what you've got. And there are teams that are surprising because of that. Yeah, Prashana, I do think the, the longevity of these coaches, as you touched on, the stability they provide, Gasparini and Inzaghi, being the two longest-serving coaches in Serie A, it does stand the, the test of time, right? It does allow them to kind of really put across what they want to put across. And I'm just looking at the list of Serie A's longest-serving coaches now. And after Gasparini, Inzaghi and Diversa, it's pretty grim. I mean... It's not great reading. Liverani at Lecce has done two years and five months. And then after that, no one's been there for more than a year, really. It's. Yeah. Kev, what are your thoughts? I'm not as optimistic as Vito. Um, surprise, surprise. What a shock. <laughs> um, I, I, you know, the, you make a very good point about the, the longevity of the coaches, the fact that Inzaghi's been able to keep a, a, a core of. The team together and they've, they've grown i think if you look just across europe at, at the major leagues in europe we we're in a, a situation now where you have uh teams that are dominant uh in england germany france and um spain wherever else and and then you just have an outlier every every couple of seasons now that outlier if you take monaco maybe in league league one when they had you know some exceptionally talented players like mbappe they won the league um you know leipzig could run munich close this year but probably a team close to my heart that uh liverpool have, have sort of overturned the dominance of manchester city in the uk it's almost having the the long-term manager but then having all those other things come together and Vito sort of highlights Atalanta where they're doing similar things to what Liverpool have done in the last few years, whereas they focused on redeveloping the stadium to increase the revenue streams, really, really focused on how they can get marginal gains or even huge gains from from really, really um, scouting players that will fit a model that they're going to play rather than going out for huge stars. The problem there comes is that you might see that someone else will win the league. You know, Inter may have that as well and, and may win the league in one season. It's whether they can make a legacy of it to sort of challenge to make the league almost a two-horse or a three-horse race. This year may be the year that Lazio, everything falls into place, but it's you, you just hope it isn't then that outlaw and then Juve go and win the next five leagues, which largely happened in Germany when Dortmund won a, a title or two and then Munich went to be in the... The, the, the stronghold again in the country. Do you think that Lazio winning Serie A this season is better for Serie A fans than Inter winning it? Because Conte will probably stay at Inter next season regardless. Um, they will build again in the summer regardless. So you would imagine in the next couple of years that Juve and Inter are going to have some more um, of competition going for the Scudetto. And if Lazio win it, that might push them on to do the same. Whereas if, if Inter win it or Juve win it, it's probably just going to be a two-horse race next year. If Lazio do it, does it then become three? I, I, don't, I don't trust Lazio to win the league and retain some of their players there. Um, and, it, and it almost feels like, um, again, no examples really jumped there, but, but just where everything on the pitch came together. You know, you've got players there that are probably playing slightly above their level and it's this perfect storm of certain players playing above their level and if they steal the title few will drop off and maybe you'll lose a couple um because you know Serge Milinkovic Savic will be 
taken away. You could see a Spanish side maybe coming in for Luis Alberto if he wanted to go home because he never really had a, a long run at playing in his in his homeland. And I, I think if Inter were to win the league this year, that wouldn't necessarily happen. They wouldn't come and cherry-pick all their players. Um, and whether Latito would actually resist if he got huge offers for, for people, then I just... I, yeah, I don't trust Lazio to to kind of build a legacy on a, on a title if they were to win the Scudetto this year. OK, guys, we're going to play a game to finish, all right? I've got three football stickers here in my hand, OK? Three different stickers. Um, you guys can ask me yes or no questions, and you have to guess the name of the player on the sticker. There are three, so whoever gets two points first wins. It is a current Serie A player, okay? Yes or no questions only. You've got one minute for each sticker. Are we ready? Are we going, uh, taking turns, are we? Um, yeah, why not? Kev, you can start. Go. Uh, are they a midfielder? No. Uh, defender. Yes. All right. Do they um, play for the top half side? Yes. Um, can we? Do they play for Parma? They do. All is right. <laughs> yes, it is Bruno Alves. Congratulations, Kev. There is sticker number one. It's Big Bruno. <laughs> okay. Um, Kev, you won, so you get to start again with the first question this time. Three, two, one, go. Are all these stickers from your Palmer sticky book? No. <laughs> uh, is it another Palmer player? It is a Palmer player. Okay. Oh. All right. Next question. Uh, is this player um, forward? No. Uh, is this Pez's player recently been signed by Juventus? No. Okay. Um, 30 seconds. Is it another defender? It is a defender. Okay. Um, it's another one. Is it Simone Jacoponi? It's not Simone Jacoponi. Right. We're not getting our own TV show anytime soon. No, you're not. You're not very good at this game, are you? Oh, uh, come on. Kevin again, or I'll go again. I'll just go over time. Stop. No, guys. Come on. It's, it's Bruno Alves. Oh, <laughs> oh, another Bruno Alves. All right, it was a sneaky one. Are you ready for the final one? Sixty-nine. Uh, I always like sixty-nine. It's a good number. None of you yeah. got that. Um, so Vito, you can start this time. Three, two, one, go. Jesus. Um, wait, who's that number? Okay, is this player midfielder? He's not a midfielder. Okay, is he an attacker. He is not an attacker. Is it Bruno Alves again? It is Bruno Alves. It's one point each. Right, so that means we have to go to a tiebreaker. Um, I've got my little FIF book, right, that I, I take to the games with me and I write the teams in and the formations yeah. and the little bits from the games. I have two players, two different players stuck in the front page of my book. Um, one of them is... It's Bruno Alves. Bruno Alves. It's Bruno nice. Alves. There is another player in the book. You guys have 90 seconds. Same rules apply to, to guess who this player is. Vito, you are the reigning champion, so you can start now. Is this player Italian? He is Italian. Okay. Is he a striker? He is not a striker. Kev, over to you. Uh, is he a defender? He is a defender. Continue, Kev. Does he play for Atalanta? He does not play for Atalanta. Over to you, Vito. Okay. Is he another Palmer player? No, he is not a Palmer player, Kev. Is he a Juventus player? He's definitely not a Juventus player, no. Vito. Is he a Sampdoria player? He's not a Sampdoria player. Absolutely not a Sampdoria player, Kev. Is he a Genoa player? He is a Genoa player. Continue, Kev. Okay. I'm now forgetting which questions we've already asked. <laughs> he's, so he is a defender. He does not play for Atalanta. He plays for Genoa. That's all the, and he's Italian. That's all the information you have. You've 32 does he seconds. take Genoa's penalties? He does not take Genoa's penalties. Vito, oh. over to you. 
Is it Andrea Masiello? It is Andrea Masiello. Congratulations. There is Bruno and Andrea together as they should be at the heart (laughs) of any defence in world football. Congratulations, Mr. Doria. You won 2-1. I'm disappointed that you didn't get the third or the the second Bruno Alves, to be honest, Mm. because you should know me better by by now. I mean, Mm. come on. Um, (laughs) Have you guys got anything to say or to ask? No, no, that's about all. Point, yeah. Did you like the game? Uh, yeah, something different, actually. I didn't mind it. Listeners, let us know if you liked the game. We might get a sticker out every week and see how it goes. That would be interesting. I'd like that. But Kev doesn't look too happy. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I was just waiting for an age-related joke about you still being young enough to collect stickers. Are you older than Bruno Alves? How old are you? Uh, I we might be about the same age. I'm 38. Oh, are you really? You're the same age as Bruno Alves. What an honor! When was Bruno born? You November 27th, 1981. Oh, see, so he's a bit older than me. I'm May 81. No, Kev. So he's... you said November, no? November 81. If you were born earlier in the same year, yeah. So you're older. Oh, cool <laughs> <laughs> you work me out with that. Can you work me out with that quiz? Oh, well, that's depressing. I'm I'm older than Bruno Alves. Yeah, and but I I'm better looking. You're right. Yeah. Kev, have you seen the man? Like, well, you'd probably drink him out of, under the table. He's <laughs> oh, a unit. If you tried to beat him in any competition, he'd murder you with one hand and then just win. Get that set up. I'll be over Palmer soon. I might try to get that set up. Um, he's got a new year on his contract, though, so he won't be doing that for another 15, 16 months anyway. Uh, guys, we've, we've managed to go on for the standard length of this pod, uh, which is some going considering there are four games. Thanks to everyone who sent in a question. It did help. And thanks to Bruno Alves for being Bruno Alves. Kev, say goodbye. Bye, everybody. Fabio Quadriarados, love child. Say goodbye. <laughs> bye bye everyone goodbye guys we love you
Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 